First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 667 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast, and I've got an exciting guest to bring you guys today. Dr. Joseph Latipo joins me on First Class Fatherhood. Dr. Joseph Latipo is the Surgeon General of Florida. He is a professor at the University of Florida College of Medicine. He received his MD from Harvard Medical. He got his PhD in Health Policy from Harvard Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. He's the author of a new book, Transcend Fear, a Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. I think Dr. Joseph Latipo has been doing a phenomenal job as the Surgeon General of Florida, Always very well spoken when you see him at the podium. Him and Governor Ron DeSantis, who you've heard right here on the podcast before, I think they have done a wonderful job during this entire pandemic. Uh, part of this interview with Dr. Joseph Latipo, you're going to hear about uh, vaccines, the pandemic, his uh, ideas on public health. The other half of this interview, you're going to hear about Dr. Joseph Latipo's own personal journey of overcoming uh, abuse, uh, childhood abuse, and how he dealt with that. He talks about that in his new book, Transcend Fear. The link to his book will be in the description of this podcast episode. Dr. Joseph Latipo talks about how he was able to overcome his childhood fear. And you're going to hear me talk about an interview that is yet to come on the podcast here, an interview with my friend Navy SEAL Tommy Aceto. I referenced that interview in this interview here. Uh, That one will be coming up up on Friday. So I'm very honored to have Dr. Joseph Latipo with me here on the podcast today. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Dr. Joseph Latipo will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the Surgeon General of Florida and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you did pick up on it, we skipped episode 666. I didn't think it would be appropriate to assign that episode number to any particular guest unless I was able to lock down Stephen King or something like that for the episode. I didn't think it would be right, so we went from 665 to 667. Those of you who may be wondering, I know some of you pick up on some of these episode numbers. have hit me up on them in the past when I've missed one or two, uh, but this one was done intentionally. I know this will be a uh, you know a sensitive issue with some of the topics we're going to discuss. For some of you guys that are listening out there, I invite you to listen with an open mind. I know right now we are living through the part of the pandemic where the majority now of people that are dying from COVID are the vaccinated. We know we all went through uh, the unvaccinated, or it was going to be the, the winter of the unvaccinated, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, uh, comes to turn out that the vaccines don't stop you from getting COVID, don't stop you from preventing COVID, and don't stop you from dying of COVID. So uh, the vaccine hustle has been going on strong. We're going to talk about it. And again, as I said, I know everyone has different views and opinions. Uh, I really do honor uh, Dr. Lopato's expertise in this subject. I know everyone says trust the science. We have a man of science with us on the podcast today, so I invite you to listen with an open mind. Again, don't forget, we have the deal going on at MyPillow. It's every day is Cyber Monday, or you want to call it Black Friday. Every day is Black Friday on MyPillow from now until Christmas. Take advantage of everything they have, over 150 items to choose from. Visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. Save up to 66% on your entire order. We are winding down the 2022 season here. Uh, I've got at least two episodes to hit you guys with next week. I'm doing my best to 
book uh, the best guests I possibly can here to finish the year strong. So follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who will be joining me here to close out what has been just a phenomenal year on the podcast here. As always, I thank you guys for listening and helping me share the show. If you can, uh, please help spread the word about the podcast, every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Florida's Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Dr. Joseph Latipo. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I've got three boys. My wife and I have three boys, and they are nine, six, and four. And I'm at home today, day before Thanksgiving, and I've asked them not to come in. So (laughs) we'll see if we meet them or not. Yeah, I know what that's like. Well, listen, we we had our three boys and finally got the girl on the fourth try. You guys planning on trying for the girl here? Are you all done? We are all done, man. We're all done. (laughs) Yeah, we're all done. Yeah, you're you're beating the odds because usually you you don't get a fourth girl after after three boys. So you're beating the odds. Yeah, we roll we roll the dice and we score it on that one. So she runs the show over here now. But if you could, Dr. Latipo, please take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Well, I'm the Surgeon General of Florida, and I'm a physician, and I'm also a professor at University of Florida, previously a professor at University of UCLA in California. And when I'm not doing my Surgeon General duties, I do research professionally. Um, So I'm part of a number of clinical trials in cardiovascular disease. And when I'm not doing my surgeon general job or my professor doctor job i either hanging out with the kids we're doing trips whatever my wife has orchestrated for us to do with the boys or exercising and that's lit or sleeping that's that's about (laughs) it I love that. Well, obviously, uh, a lot of respect for what you do. Take me back then, if you could, to the beginning of your fatherhood journey. About how old were you then when you first became a dad, and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Yeah, I was. I became a dad, I think, at the age of 33. And that was our, our first. And it's it's always funny. I know I know you as a dad. When, you know, it is fascinating, right? That they are the most, humans are the most complicated thing imaginable you get them without at least for many of us no prior experience in terms of getting getting this a brand new one and and it was it was it was like being strapped to a rocket and just someone hit go and then you're like Ugh! and i think eventually there's so much to learn so much to learn like as you know and then you look at your second and your third and by the third you got your you you, you're comfortable you you, you've learned a lot and you if you're anything like me you look back at the first and think oh my why (laughs) i can't believe we were doing fill in the blank you know um so it's, it's been it's been wonderful and it's been 
it's you know it, it, it's funny because see people joke around about my job and as the certain general and they talk about oh man that must be so challenging must be so hard must be hard you do all this stuff believe me there is not i don't have anything harder than these three boys like they're trying to be the best dad i can be that is you know because at least at work they listen to me you know <laughs> it's like it's like some days with my smallest it's just you know it's it's like endless negotiations to <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I i understand i understand believe me i and i know you have a, a a new book transcend fear uh, and I want to get into the book a little bit. And I know you talk uh, about uh, some of the abuse that you went through as a child growing up and then how you came to some uh, some healing towards that later on in life. Uh, walk me through, if you could, just a little bit about that, uh, your childhood growing up. And then what point or I know I believe you said it was through meeting a Navy SEAL that helped you kind of get through some of this stuff. So walk me through a little bit of that process, if you could. Yeah, sure. Sure. So one of the things I didn't mention with the challenge of, of being a dad is that is that it also brings up you know if really for everyone and I think some people are just more conscious of it than other people it brings up all the stuff that you have from your childhood and this is everything from beliefs about how things quote unquote should be which we many of us fall into to things like responses to experiences we had as a child and now projecting that stuff onto your kids. And again, most, you know, many people, this happens to everyone. And, but some of us are, some people were more conscious of it than other people. And, and it definitely happened to me big time. And, and for me, it was, tied into lots of stuff we all have families so we our families give us all this baggage when we're when we're kids but one something i describe in my book is an experience i had when i was a little boy around four or so it it was i was sexually abused by a babysitter and basically what that the effect that that had on me was that it disconnected me from my emotional being and made it impossible for me to emotionally connect with another human being because she broke my boundaries as a little boy and the the thing one of the things about trauma is that it affects everyone differently and it's because we all have different souls with different experiences and but that was how it affected me and i i thought everything was fine and i proceeded along that path for the next two and a half decades and then I fell in love with my wife and and I fell in love with her really accidentally we we fell in love over the phone she was because if she had been physically if she had been in Boston with me when I was in med school at, at, at Harvard all my stuff would have made it in my stuff with relationships would have made it impossible to achieve what we ultimately achieved, which was emotional connection. And it was something that, especially essentially intimacy. And that was something that I I never had been able to do and also did not recognize that was not normal, that I was unable to do that. And you know, with love, when, with love, when you fall in love, your your baggage, your stuff that you've stuffed in an emotional closet, consciously or unconsciously, all that stuff 
it comes to the surface. And that's what happened to me. So I was, I fell in love, which felt amazing. But at the same time, I was like an emotional volcano. And it was eruptions here and there. And I, I just, I didn't, I couldn't control it. And, and they were eruptions of this stuff that was related to everything in my past and in my experience as a little boy. And eventually, you know, I, my wife helped me. I also saw some counselors. All of that helped like a little bit. My wife really helped me more than anyone until the point when she got me to a guy named Christopher Maher, who's a former Navy SEAL. He has a book called Free for Life. And basically, my wife found him and thought that he was a he, she told me, you know, she was like, Joe, I want you to go see this guy. He's really good for people who've experienced trauma. And my poor wife was at the end of her rope, so I didn't have a choice but to go see him. And, you know, I went to see him and it was totally life changing. Just the closest thing to a miracle I've ever experienced. So that's I just I talk about that a bit in the book. What's interesting, Dr. Latipo, I just did. I've had a lot of Navy SEALs on the podcast here, and I just recently did an interview with this guy, Tommy, who was a former SEAL, and he's working a lot with cybacillin and mushrooms in the community for the special operators, the tier one operators that go through a lot of trauma. And they're finding that to be really helpful, not just for people that suffer with the PSD from combat, but also that have horrible childhood experiences and stuff like that. And they're finding that it's almost like a, a miracle being done in the right way. And so they're really br- trying to bring that to the masses. Uh, did you experience any of that or was it d- just uh, different? You know, it's interesting. It was different. And, you know, it is interesting. So so I, I, I'm not super familiar with those those experiences and those those chemicals. But I, I am familiar with the concept that they've helped a lot of people who've had difficulty. So I, I don't I don't really know enough to, to comment on them. Although, again, if they're helping someone, that's wonderful. So this type of work, it was, you know, so Christopher Maher, he studied Chinese medicine and Chinese meridian theory. And he himself just happens to be. God happened to gift him with the ability to help people heal. And he's helped thousands, thousands, thousands of people over the years. And basically, it, it will sound a little wild, but essentially, you know, you meet him and, and you work with him for five days. And that's what happened. He was down in Marina Del Rey in Los Angeles. And most of what he does that really helps you really advance are these physical manipulations they are many of them are very painful initially so for example one of them is called malshank and what happens there is that you're laying down face down on a mat and he's walking on the back of your legs and initially and he does it in a specific way and initially it is extremely painful like eight out of ten nine out of ten pain like super painful But eventually the pain comes down and you enter you enter neutrality where it's not even painful. It's just a sensation. And what's happening with that is that I'm channeling his words here because this is way beyond my consciousness. But what's happening with that is that one of the main channels for cheetah flow is connected to your bladder. 
And that channel happens to run through the back of your legs. And what what's happening is that when he's doing that, he's actually he's actually removing stress, trauma from the where it's being stored in those tissues. And as that happens, you get more flow in, in terms of chi through that channel and you have less pain. And of course, what's wonderful about getting more flow is that you get more consciousness and more access to those parts of your spiritual, emotional, mental, physical being that you didn't have before he did it. So that's one example of one of the techniques he uses, but that's the that's the idea. And you do a bunch of things like that and eventually you get freer and freer. Wow, it's fascinating stuff because I know my wife too. She went through uh, sexual abuse as as a child, and it's carried her right in through the adulthood. And uh, especially having children when they become the same age is when she was abused. And so it's uh, and so many people that, that suffer through this stuff. So it's important to hear stories like yours to share them. I, I think it's important for so many people that have suffered as well. Yeah, man. I'm sorry to hear that about about your wife. And it's just a it's a I mean it's an effing shame. Pardon me my language because it's it's first of all it's it's very prevalent and it's much more prevalent than people think it's extremely prevalent and uh, it's partly because the people that do these things they're predators so while the world people walking around in the world going getting groceries doing their thing these people are thinking about their prey and so that they have that 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 sinister advantage and second of all, it unfortunately happens to people who often are not are not I'll almost say powerless, that they just they don't have the the the, the physical resources, the emotional resources, the mental resources to block that type of that type of attack. And because it happens to children, it can have this lifelong you know, an often devastating effect on people's emotional, physical, mental development. So it's a real damn shame that 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 it happens. And it's important, you know, it's important to talk about it so that, you know, people become more aware and things to look out for even in terms of the predators, like people you think are, oh, so-and-so is just friendly. But no, so-and-so is actually, actually a predator. That's what's that's what's happening. So, you know, again, I'm sorry to hear that about, about your wife. No, no, but unfortunately, uh, Dr. Latipo, it seems like we're making uh, a, a more easier place for predif- uh, predators, pedophiles, people to prey on our society. It seems like we're making it a lot easier for them uh, than it was maybe years ago, especially with the Internet, the social media, uh, the people lurking behind the scenes and in the shadows. And you have no idea uh, really what's going on. But just to kind of shift gears, I know that. Uh, in, in Transcend Fear, obviously you get into uh, the pandemic, which really shifted and changed the lives of uh, so many people around the world. But I think at the onset of this, it was fear that was used to control people, fear and then shame. The fear of at the beginning, you're going to die. And then the, the shame of, well, if you don't uh, isolate or six feet or cover your face, then you're going to kill your grandparents. So it was like those two major factors. And it was like for me and so many other people like to watch people that, you know, your whole life react to this type of thing was really eye opening. You were like, wow, I couldn't believe what I was seeing during this pandemic. What was your thoughts on the onset of this pandemic as you started to, uh, you know, walk your way through this whole thing? No, I, I totally very, very similar to yours. And for me, my colleagues were doctors 
And it was I was astounded by how little appreciation for freedom, which is not a medical issue or it's not something you learn in medical school, but it's it's a human issue. I was astounded to see how little regard so many of my colleagues at UCLA had for that concept, like the idea that there's liberty and people get to make their own choices. And just because you think something's very important doesn't mean you have a right to force someone else to abandon their business or give up their access to schools. So I, I was I was also I mean, I was I was also very, very stunned. And you may be familiar with this or not, but I was fortunate enough that I was able to to have a bunch of articles published saying this. And starting in March of 2020, I was working in the hospital at UCLA, taking care of some patients with COVID. And I wrote the first article about my my sense of the COVID-19 pandemic policies and ended up writing maybe another dozen articles or so over the course of the pandemic in the Wall Street Journal, mostly basically saying the same thing in different ways, like have some common sense, liberty matters, freedom matters, real being realistic and honest matters. And there's more to this whole equation than COVID. So, yeah, it sounds like we probably have very similar ideas. Well, well one of the things, too, is I think they, they made it seem as if uh, you were people were anti-vaccine once the vaccine started rolling out. And it was really people were anti-mandate. I mean, that's really what the crux of a lot of it was. It wasn't that. I mean, I'm somebody that was, you know, I get my kids vaccinated with all their vaccines. I have no problem with vaccines. It was the fact that this thing came along so quickly and they were telling you you had to get it despite having no evidence that it did anything uh, to stop it, to prevent from spreading. And, 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 the, and the kids especially didn't really seem to be affected uh, in large scale by COVID-19 whatsoever. So a lot of those things really weren't making sense as a parent watching it. And then I, what really blew my mind was when we had up here, you had uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York at 1030 in the morning eating a cheeseburger and eating fries and telling you, hey, if you get your vaccine, you can get this free cheeseburger. And he's eating it for breakfast and he's telling you it's for your health. And you're looking at this kind of going, how in the world, you know, is this reality? And we didn't see things. Did you guys in Florida offer like these kind of crazy incentives where you get a free Krispy Kreme donut or a free pint of beer if you get the shot? Was that going on down there? <laughs> no, that wasn't happening here. And, you know, you said shame was one of the things that was used. And that's a perfect example, right? Calling people anti-vax and all this stuff. That's that's that was just another another card in the shame, you know, in the shame deck. That that's exactly what that was. And sort of making people feel like they had to justify their discomfort with something. It's it was all it's all the same playbook. At the end of the day, guess what? God gave you the body, not the mayor, not Dr. Fauci, not the president. Okay. It's your body. You get to choose whatever the heck you want to put in it. And, you know, so that, and that's where the that's and then that ends with a period. Right. It doesn't matter how you feel about vaccines or how you don't or that you did the kid. You know, you gave them to your kids. You don't. The real the crux of it is that you get to choose. And Florida, I've been here just over a year. But and Dr. Uh, Dr. DeSantis, he gives a, he knows actually he knows more about <laughs> he, he certainly was was more knowledgeable with a lot of the COVID science than, than, than medical doctors. And frankly, I would bet money that, that Governor DeSantis has actually read more scientific publications on COVID than the average doctor. I would, I would put that wager down very, very, very comfortably. You know, he fortunately is just 
has a has a great sense of freedom and protected that for Floridians. And when I came, you know, I was able to we were able to really synergize our efforts and even do more things. You know, we came out against these COVID-19 vaccines, these mRNA COVID-19 vaccines for children. Anything crazier than giving a healthy kid something that is totally new and experimental? I mean, <laughs> and and then more recently, we've 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 I made a recommendation against them for young men because it it there was a signal in our Florida data for an increased risk of cardiac death, possibly related to this myocarditis that is so much more frequent in that population. So that's what we've been trying to stay close to the science and respect people's choices. And you mentioned there, too, uh, you know, I, ha- I had the honor of having Governor DeSantis right here on the podcast. We talked about uh, so many different uh, topics. I-, I love what he's doing, especially because I had him on right after he signed the fatherhood bill. He put that fatherhood initiative in down there, uh, which was really cool. And I hope a lot of other states will follow suit and, and do that as well, because I focus on here a lot about the fatherless crisis with so many kids growing up without a dad in the home or a father figure in their life. And I think really that's the number one social issue we have going on in our country as we try to solve all these other social issues. Unless we get to that and fix that, I don't think any, any of it's going to really just be running around in circles. Absolutely, man. There is, there is no question about that. Unfortunately, and you need them both, right? You need a mom and you need a, you need a dad. Like my, my wife and I are great examples of, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, I don't know what I would do without you. The things that you're able to provide for the boys that I, I'm just not capable of providing. And at the same time, I can provide things that, that don't come naturally to her. But you're absolutely right. The, the absence of fathers, unfortunately, does make it make make the make kids more susceptible to some of these influences that a father would either be able to help rein in in terms of doubts or questions that the child might have or just say no way that's not right you know those ideas for example this treatment all these these experimental treatments for transgender kids it helps to have a dad in the picture for that to you know, to to just help ground the child and and it, it, fatherhood is it's really i mean it's critically important yeah very well said and one of the other things too here dr loud paul getting back to um uh, the pandemic and stuff is that I think like the society here, at least Americans are losing faith in the public health system here. And because uh, I had uh, Dr. Robert Malone here on the podcast and I get split reviews, people lo- love what he says. People hate what he says. Dr. Fauci, same thing. People love him and people hate him. And so it seems like it's hard to understand as a parent going through this, who do you trust? Who has the right information? We're, we're in a world now where information is so easy to get. We just don't know which which information is the right one. So what kind of advice do you have for parents out there that have kind of lost faith in public health and are trying to just do the right thing for their kids, especially right now, as we know, it's the flu season, it's the COVID season. What's the advice you have for the parents out there? Yeah, man. No, I, and I get it. I definitely, I definitely get it. I honestly, I think that what the advice I have is for people to get back in touch with their intuition. Our intuition is our gift from God. That's where it comes from. And it is, you know, it's a voice that, that helps us know which direction to go when we've got, when we've got two paths to choose from. 
And right now, it's, it's, it's impossible, right? Oh, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying what I'm saying. So, you know, Dr. Fauci is saying what he's saying. Someone else is saying what they're saying. You know, who do you believe? Well, touch, get in touch with your intuition. What's your intuition telling you about who you can trust? And don't dismiss it. People, the world is, the world is, and I think, I really think almost all of us know this at an intuitive level, that the world is more than sort of what happens here or what we see with our eyes, right? We have feeling, we have senses, and 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 I think that that can, it, it's, it's not a perfect solution, but I think that, I think that you will do better if you are unsure about who to listen to. You will do better if you just, you know, just push it all out for a moment and just check in with your gut about who do you think you can trust and you will go with those individuals. Yeah, very well said. And it's just so many of the things were so confusing, Dr. Latipo. Just that, like you walk into a restaurant, people are wearing a mask and they go 10 feet and they sit down at the table and they take it off. And like you're watching this and observing it and you're just kind of like, do these people realize what they're doing? Like it was so, so mind boggling to watch people's reactions to all of this stuff as we were going through it. And even now, it's still some people won't. Let, I think you'll see uh, people will never let those masks go. We still see people here that are wearing them. And I don't think they'll ever take it off. I think they've been traumatized for life because of this stuff. It, 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 it's 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 I mean, it, it's sort of sad and 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 yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like mind boggling. Right. And you, I was I was chatting with someone yesterday and what I told him, because it is tough, right? Because you talked about shame, right? So they pull at your, oh, you don't want to hurt someone else. you know. And, and that pulls it. We, most of us want to help other people. So that tugs on us and it, it inclines us to do things that we might not agree with or even think are helpful. But, hey, if there's a little chance, maybe. I, so what with the masks, what people um what people need ought to recognize is that what's been happening it's very simple what's been happening is that there are clinical trials and then there are these observational studies that the cdc does and they tout and they say the mass works the clinical trials those are the best studies those are the most reliable studies because they're the least susceptible to bias and all of those studies have either found no benefit or a tiny incidency benefit. And most of them have found no benefit. So if people just recognize whatever the heck the CDC is saying and pushing, the the best evidence, the best scientific evidence, it is a fact, has, has for the most part found no benefit from wearing these things in the community, right? You should feel good that that whole idea that you're hurting someone or something like that is totally boxed it's just it's not it's not true and at least that's one place to start with that particular piece it's total yeah. it's just nonsense <laughs> I, I, i'm telling you it's it's been wild to watch for sure so uh let, let me bring it back into to you as a dad here for a second uh dr latipo what what type of disciplinarian would you say you are as a father and is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with yeah, it is. It is. I'm glad you asked that because it, it actually ties back in with what we were talking about earlier. So in Nigeria, which is where I was born, like corporal punishment is a part of that. That is how that's, <laughs> that's how, you, you know, that's that's how kids are disciplined. And and I came to believe that there are benefits of that and all that good stuff. And 
you know, meeting my wife, expanding my emotional consciousness, challenging those beliefs that I brought in from my childhood into our family. She was she would say, you know, you can't do that. It actually hurts them and it's it's not good. And the research said that, too. But but I didn't. But why? Really understanding why is you need that or at least I need that piece. And the work that I did with Christopher Mayher in terms of getting connected to getting more connected to my emotional being, getting connected to my heart and having more having more connection, having actual connection with other people and feeling how they feel and all that. Thank God my wife told us never to do that because what and it's also a little bit more complicated because it's not enough to not do that. You also need to understand how you do connect with your children to help them with discipline, like what what will work, not just what you ought not to do. And the reason not to do that is because it truly it truly teaches that force and physical trauma are like are 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 a normal part of existence and a way to communicate and the soul your kids they take that in and they also and even the 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 fear from being abused you know from being struck strict struck and being hit that goes in them too right and that becomes part of their being that they take on in their lives until they either die one day as an old person or they get lucky like me and some other people who have the opportunity to work with people that help them get it out of them. So so that it is absolutely you don't want to do that. It's, it's actually in the long term, it is definitely more harmful to inflict that kind of force on a, on a child. And then, well, what do you do? So and I mostly learned from my wife too cuz she just she just has just amazing emotional intelligence and empathy with the boys so we do different things right we do communication we tell them we really always try to explain why something's right or wrong we try and give examples like imagine if someone's if you did that to so and so how you think they feel oh they don't feel good well maybe we shouldn't do that and and then we do things like timeouts and we take away toys and things like that and take away privileges. And it's and it's worked out well because they they are, you know, they're they're emotional, sensitive beings. They're full of life and energy, but they're also you know, we were really trying to get them in tune with their environment and people around them and the effect that their actions have on other people. Um, and we and, and it's like a good lesson and it's something they can carry through their lives that makes them healthier versus the whatever the harms are from from physical discipline yeah really great stuff and it's interesting too just as parents a lot of times we'll use fear and shame to try to discipline the kids the same way that we were used fear and shame against during this pandemic but we do it in a different way as if don't run into the street you might get hit by the car you know you try to build that fear into them enough where they'll listen and and you know we so we try to use similar tactics to that and that's what i found a little bit uh, coincidental in what the tactics were being played on us as we were go- going through this whole thing but i know you got transcend fear what's the main message of the book you hope that gets across to the audience and who do you hope gets a chance to read this who's the audience for you know i i certainly anyone any professionals in public health and also regular non-public health profession you know professionals just regular guys and gals because i talk a, a lot about 
how I saw things unfolding across the, over the time period of the pandemic. And the heart of the book is is my own personal you know work and experience to get me out of the stuff that was was really the the prison essentially that I built around my own consciousness as a as a child and getting out of that and then being able to do more and be more effective as a human being and it just happened that I worked with Christopher right before the pandemic so you know and so sharing that story is also something I want to share with other people who are interested in maybe freeing themselves of whatever whatever things might be binding them whether it's agitation or shame or self-doubt or fear and yeah I you know that's 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 why yeah that's why I wrote it <laughs> well I'm going to put the the link in the description of this podcast episode transcend fear so my listeners get a chance uh, to tap the link check it out for themselves I, I love what you guys have done down in Florida. It's been fun to watch. It's been very admirable to watch you, Governor DeSantis, the way I think Florida became that beacon of hope, that beacon of freedom for so many Americans during the pandemic we looked to. Uh, so God bless you guys for what you've been doing. And, and, and the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Find other dads that you admire and talk to them. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Dr. Latipo, you're a first-class father all the way. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks, man. You're doing all that great work you're doing. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.